Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Mom deserves the best and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive of rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Welcome into the Seminole Rap Podcast. I'm your host, Brian Pellerin. Uh, it's been a minute. Uh, it's Brian and, and John. Max has got the night off. He's uh, being a good student. He's got something with class or something. I don't know. You know, young, young kids, John, you remember the days, right? Oh, I'm so old. I don't remember anymore. Sorry. <laughs> Can't even remember the days. Oh, that's right. You're a resident, like 40 year old, right? Oh, come on. I'm not that old. Okay. Close, right? 30. It doesn't really matter. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, but it's been a minute. We've been uh, we promised to. I think our last episode was the Jamie Robinson interview, and we we promised we're working on more. Uh, it's been a few weeks of kind of back and forth, and uh, hoping to string this one together for you. But today we're really excited. Special guest, uh, athletic director Michael Alford. Um, man, I, I tell you what, I, we've been working on trying to get this interview together. We think it's a fun one. We hope you really enjoy it. We're talking. Uh, kind of a little bit of everything. It, it's a football game in Ireland. It's conference realignment. What does he need from the ACC to keep uh, to keep Florida State there? Does he hear from other conferences? You know, kind of what what does that look like? Uh, John, you talked to him NIL and and football. Uh, you know, we we kind of tackled through a lot of things, and and I think it's something people are going to want to hear, especially the the culture around the athletic department. I think was one of uh, the biggest topics we touch on. Yeah, absolutely. And, and uh, you know, just again, very, very excited for this interview uh, that, you know, he made the time for us. And yeah, we we asked about everything. We we got smoothie stories. We got it. We got everything. Yeah, it's a it's a wide ranging interview. And I know it's weird because uh, obviously we've we are we already recorded the interview before we we tape this portion. But, uh, you know, we want to let you know that what we've got. Right. And, and let you know what the next I think it's 40 minutes of what we talked with them uh, kind of entails. It's I think it's worth your time end to end. It's an interesting conversation and we'll look in charge of, into the guy who's in charge of everything Florida state athletics. He, he's scheduling the football games. What, what goes into that? It's, it's an interesting dive into a lot of what's happening that we don't often see in, in the athletic department. And, and he really opens up the door and, uh, 
kind of lets us in. So without uh, any further ado, let's go ahead and uh, head over to the interview and bring in Michael Alford. Thank you so much for making time for us and uh, being here with us. No, thank you guys. Uh, y'all do great work. Appreciate all the support you give us, how you cover us. Um, y- y'all do an outstanding job with your articles. I, I really enjoy uh, everything y'all do to support the Seminoles. Wow, and he, he even listens to the Seminole softball rap, he said. Well, that's his favorite. Okay, yeah, of course. <laughs> uh, just a, a quick bio, I guess, for you. Hired in December 2021, so what, 15 months or so in the role. Uh, the football program, big step forward. Practice facility coming together. Uh, new hire for the baseball program. Changes soccer, women's basketball in your tenure. Uh, lots going on. Where do you see this point? I don't know if we'll call it a progress report, but where do you see your right. biggest successes so far? Well, as I tell the president and everyone, hey, just get better every day. I ask our staff when you go home, um, when you put your head on the pillow, did you, one, personally, did you get better today? Did you make the department better today? And it's those little incremental gains. Uh, And I'm going to tell you, I ask myself that every night. I have for many years. And sometimes the answer is no. And, (laughs) And that's fine. Uh, but if you can get more yeses than nos, um, then you know you're getting better. But to answer your question, it's really just talking about the culture. You know, I want to make sure that we're bringing in people within this organization uh, that have truly people of high character uh, that are surrounding and having an impact on our student athletes and that we're servicing them, we're servicing our constituents, uh, doing the little things that matter, uh, that people notice. Because I think that leads to big things. Um, it's one thing about putting together a vision, but it's also about the processes you and put into place uh, with that culture, with the staff, with your coaches, and and the mindset that we're going to have this vision. But there's about 32 things that need to happen before we get there, and we're going to check them off one by one. Um, so the most the, the thing is the biggest thing to answer your question. I'm most proud of is is just the work of the staff of of accepting that, yeah, there's going to be change. Um, there's going to be a different set of accountability. There's going to be a different set of standards. There's going to be a different vision. And that we're going to change some things that we're doing, but we're going to get it done together, and we're going to get it done with a smile on our face mm-hmm. and and understanding that we're here to serve these student-athletes and make sure they have a world-class experience. Yeah, uh, that's fantastic. And, and so one thing that I want to ask you about that made the news recently was uh, the schedule game in Ireland. That's pretty fantastic and, and very, very exciting. So we're kind of curious, you know, how does something like, the, you know, big like that come about? And, and what kind of things or benefits do you think it's going to bring to the program? Well, I've been working on that for a while. Um, I have a great relationship with John Anthony, who is one of the founders of that game, who puts it on, who was at the press conference. Um, and just working with him and he approached me and we were at an event and he said, Hey, would you ever consider it? And I said, of course, you know, but it's got to work out. It's got to be certain parameters in place. I'm not going to give up a home game one. Um, so, and I'm not going to look at a neutral game that, that takes away home games. So, you know, we have an obligation to this community to, to make sure that, that we're doing our part. Uh, to the restaurants and the hotels and everything else in this community that because, you know, we represent $100 million annually to Tallahassee and Leon County in, in the six, seven football games that we put on. So uh, we have an obligation to be great community partners. And but talking to him about this game and that opportunity uh, and we continued talks and 
And John said, let's let me come back to you. Let's look at your away game schedule and let's look at and talk to some folks. Um, he went to work. I went to work. And it worked out that uh, we were able to s- secure this game in Ireland with Georgia Tech in 2024. And I think it's a great opportunity for us. As, as you know, I, I constantly look into one, how do we grow our brand? But two, how do we strategically put games in place um, that's going to draw the biggest, highest ratings? And there is a strategic thoughts to that and some strategic conversations that take place well within years out, a year out, months, months mm-hmm. out before those conversations take place. And um, and it worked. And now not only do we get to, to be on primetime TV, there's some other things we're working on that should come to light that we'll be able to announce later regarding this game. But then it also it puts us on primetime, puts a game that probably – uh, would have been, depending on where it would have been, fallen in the schedule and who it would have been against, probably not primetime. Uh, but this one guarantees that game on primetime. And so we're really excited about that. And then to be able to negotiate a few other things in our schedule that year to allow us to have a week zero game, uh, it all worked out. And something we're really excited about, we're excited about taking the brand internationally, what it does for the university to be able to showcase not only what the football program does, but be able to go international and tell our story to, to the world about how great Florida State is academically, how great the city is, what we mean culturally, and learn new cultures. And more impressive, they were the, the, the Irish delegates were more wanting to learn also about our relationship with the Seminole tribe and learn more about the Seminole tribe, which I found fascinating that that was one of their first thoughts. Uh, it was also educating their community about our relationship with the Seminole tribe. So it's an exciting opportunity for us and one we're looking forward to. Um, so uh, about the opener in Orlando against uh, LSU this year. So, you know, I, we're kind of interested too about your expectations for, for the program this year. And uh, how important do you do you view scheduling these out of conference games? And and what is the thinking that kind of goes into doing as a neutral side instead of a home and home? Well, you know, this game was scheduled before I became athletic director. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm always going to do everything I can to play it dope. Uh, right. We have the finest facility. Um, I owe it to this community, as I mentioned before. We got to be great community partners. And uh, financially, uh, that's that's something we need to be doing to to help this community and also to showcase our university. I always want I always want, as I call it, boots on soul on this campus. So we're able to showcase everything that we have to offer uh, different people that visit. And I don't know if you know this, but we lead the country from what we can determine. It's an outside agency on fans that distance travel. 60% 60% of our fans travel over three and a half hours on a game on a Saturday game day or the weekend uh, to attend games. Um, I would have guessed Penn State if you would have told me, but but I guess we leave huh. they did the study um, uh, of who travels the farthest. The biggest percentage of people traveling the farthest is us. So, you know, we we owe that to this community to continue our fan base coming back so we can showcase everything academically, culturally that's going on at the university to our alumni and fans. So um, I'm never going to say never, but I'm always looking to uh, 
my priority is to have games here at Doak. You, you mentioned the fans and, and the, the impact they have on this program that that's unlike others and, and the way it relates in, in TV viewership, you mentioned as well, the prime time, the way that pulls viewers in. One of the things that um, I, I feel like I've got to talk to you about in last month, you, you made a presentation, the board of trustees of Florida state about the deal with the ACC and, and kind of the shortcomings, I, I guess, in the amount of money you bring in compared to a big 10 and sec um, it's what roughly 30 million or so, depending yeah. on the conference. Um, mm-hmm. and, and it's not like it's a short-term thing that the, the deal there is, is 10 years. So if playing that out, it's, it's a 300, $400 million gap, right. um, that could be there. Um, you mentioned a solution could be a larger portion of the pie. I've, I've got a couple of questions on that, but, um, because a large portion of the pie because of the fans, the viewers and those sorts right. of things, but I guess, have you had conversations with the ACC on that? What have they been like? Are, are you are you seeing that as the solution? Yeah, we're, we're working with our with our peers and partners in the ACC. We're working with Commissioner Phillips. Uh, this is a discussion that's been going on. We understand, especially us at Florida State um, and a couple other institutions, really understand the commitment uh, of that gap that's coming. It's a freight train. Uh, that's barreling down the tracks, and we need to address it. Um, so talking to the pre- uh, presidents, very involved, talking to other presidents. Uh, of course, I'm very involved at in looking at solutions because uh, I can't sit here in four or five years and be 30 million behind every year. It's not a one-year thing, and, and that, that makes a big difference, especially when you start compounding that year after year after year uh, on what you're able to do. So we're working with the conference on on um, uh, a revenue concept uh, that rewards success, uh, not only on the field, um, but I'm also in there fighting for, if you're gonna reward success on the field, reward success on TV as well. Uh, Because if you're driving the media contract um, and we have every third party um, marketing firm can come in, it's not like that's not measurable. Uh, what's driving the media contract and the value of that contract. Um, so I think that should be also looked at and maybe dispersed differently than what we have been doing in the past. I think it's 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 hard for maybe a, a fan to really comprehend that, that gap in money. Uh, I, I guess, is there a way to you can kind of um, illustrate what that could look like? Like you said, four or five years from now, if you're looking... 30 million per year, it's not necessarily, um, you know, in a bottom line, where, where do you see where those differences could be made up? Like, is it in facilities? Is it in staff salaries? Is it stadium improvements? Like where would, where would a fan see the gap? All the above, Uh, all the above. Um, When you're able to go in and, you know, recruit a coach. Let's say, let's say we any you name a sport, especially in our Olympic sports, and and that's the, really my concern. Um, but it's going to be facilities, it's going to be academics areas, it's going to be everything they have to offer a student athlete will will be different. It will just be different than what we are able to put together uh, for them. So uh, you look long term, uh, you look at the, not only the revenue gap, but revenue gap is going to lead to lead to a talent gap. And that's something I need to protect uh, Florida State University and make sure that we're doing everything we can to make sure that we're able to compete nationally. And when I'm, I'm not talking just football, um, everyone's going to immediately go there. And I agree. 
But, you know, one thing that's great about our institution and the culture of our institution is we expect national championships across the board. We want to mm-hmm. compete in everything we do. That's not the case for that's not the case for every power five school. Uh, right. They pick and choose. That's not the case for the other two conferences that I'm talking about. All those schools pick and choose of, of some sports. We fund all of our sports right now in the top four in the ACC and all of the top 20 in the country. We expect to compete. And if with that revenue gap, you're going to see maybe some decisions that that we have to make that uh, won't allow that. And I'm a product of I'm a baseball player. I had opportunities to play football, and baseball, and I chose to play baseball at, at the Division One level. I got three daughters who are Division One athletes as well, and I see the experience that they got, the relationships they built, the the success they're having now because of those experiences they had. And I want to protect that student athlete experience, what we're able to offer them and how they're able to grow during their time here as much as I can. And and that's the driving factor behind it is you talk about football, what we're not able to do. Well, you know, that's the brand we got to make sure wins because it's going to fund everything else. I'm more concerned about the other 450 student athletes not having a first rate experience. And I'm trying to protect that as best I can. I think that's an excellent point, especially in this way, this program is built. Like you said, it's, it is football. It's also basketball, men's and women's it's, it's, it's softball, softball, it's soccer, soccer. It's <laughs> beach volleyball. It's our two golf programs. It's track bringing home national championship. Golf. I mean, you go down the list and that's the expect, that's the standard of Florida state. And we want to continue that standard and to continue that standard. I need to be able to resource them properly to compete nationally. Yeah. I mean, just that alone makes you one of probably the five biggest brands in college sports, easily recognizable. You're seen everywhere. It, it's a school that, that a university that is prominent in this college athletic space. When, when you talk uh, and, and I'll, I'll let it go here, but I mean, <laughs> when you get hit on that, that, you make the speech on the conference alignment, you see it, do, do other conferences reach out or is it, do people, hey, hey, Mike, um, you know, we, we would love to to bring you, you know, do you hear that ton of stuff? Oh, Mike, uh, I'm sorry, rephrase your question. Uh, do do conflict, sure I answer so you, it properly. No, right. So the board, <laughs> so you make your presentation to the board and it's the ACC is, we are at a gap in this conference. Do other conferences reach out to you? Have you been contacted by other conferences? Uh, that, that, no, I do not speak to other conferences. Uh, you know, I speak to teams because of the relationships. I've been in this business for a long time. So I know athletic directors and others all over the country, and they, it's no secret. I mean, they they know um, the TV gap, uh, the media rights gap that that is, uh, and we're trying to find a solution. Uh, so in 2020, you know, college sports changed forever with legislation, and especially in Florida, you know, they kind of led the way initially with allowing the NIL rights to athletes. Um, and, you know, so the state the state was quick to act, but then recently, I believe they they amended that law. Um, so how has the state's laws on NIL impacted Florida State's use, both positively and, and negatively? Well, originally it was a great law. Um, I don't know if you two know this. I chaired uh, the Lead One Association, which is all the ADs across the country. All the way back to 2019, they asked me to chair when NIL was first coming up and and provide solutions to the NCAA, which we did, uh, formed a committee and uh, co-chaired it with Mike Hill. And um, we went to the NCAA and offered solutions in the year 2020. 
They were afraid of lawsuits and uh, we're, we told them we're going to be in a mess, uh, which is where we're at now. Um, but moving forward, we're still working. I'm, I'm heavily involved. I probably spend, I had a head coaches meeting. I'm probably spending 25% of my time right now on national issues in DC. Um, as Florida State's one of the leaders, uh, making sure that our voice is heard. We're actually sending a student athlete to talk to Congress about NIL and their her experience. And that's something we were asked to do that tells you how Florida State is leading uh, these discussions. We have Congressman Dilla Baracus out of Tampa, Byron Donalds, uh, um, Congressman Rudy, Senator Rubio, I mean, all of the, they're very involved and I've talked to them often about what needs to be placed and guardrails and, and how we solve this issue. So we are being a leader and spending a lot of time on it. And I've been spending time on it for the last three or four years. But an original bill, studying them all. I studied, being a co-chair of that, I studied every state law to, I was, when they asked me to do it, I thought I'd spend an hour a week. I've spent four hours a night on it. Uh, three years and and studying and talking to various congressmen across the country that were writing bills and being an advocate and really understanding every law. California and Florida had the two best laws. Chip Lamarck did a great job with the original law. The issue was when the NCAA came out and said, well, if you don't have a state bill, then it's just wild, wild west. So right. now we had a state law already passed. So we were uh, not able to do some of the things that our peers were able to do that had no state law. Mm-hmm. And so working with um, Chip and some others and, and kind of rewriting that law, and it just got passed. What now allows us to do is ha- at least have communication um, with our collectives, uh, at least be able to talk to them. I'm never going to get involved in a negotiation of Athlete A's deal with our company A. Uh, not, I'm not going to do that. I don't want to do that. I'm going to always use our platform to educate them on the laws, to educate them on taxes, to educate them on marketing rights, to inform them or, and educate them on how to grow their brand so they have more opportunities and how to do it the right way. That's our Apex program. That's what we do. We're constantly educating our student athletes, advising them on the agent selection they can make, but I'm not going to get involved in those negotiations. That's between them and and whoever they're partnering with and representing. But uh, we can at least have those conversations now where right. previously we could not. And it's very important that we, we're at least now able to bring some of that in light uh, of what's going on um, with our various student athletes and their NIL opportunities. We all, and anytime NIL comes up, I feel like the conversation is about how programs uh, and the businesses around them can can handle the finances and how can the laws and this, how have you seen it impact just the athletes? How do you see their lives different than before? I mean, obviously you said you don't broker, you don't broker deals, but you know, right. you still, you, when you're educating them, you see the way they're interacting with it compared to right. before. How have you seen an impact? Well, you know, and I'm all for it. Uh, I am 100% of them using our platform that we provide uh, these television games. We negotiate to grow their brand. I mean, right. they're they're representing the Seminoles, and we're making sure they're on national TV, and they have an opportunity to to grow their brand. Where they do have these opportunities, and I'm 100 in favor of it. Um, but you've seen some, some. We have a couple of female athletes that are doing tr- just absolutely tremendous, and I'm not going to mention names. 
I have one female athlete who's making more now than she would be turning pro in her NIL space. So, you know, kudos to her. Uh, and I tip her and I, I high five her every time I see her and I'm proud of her because she's doing it the right way. Um, you see what Dylan Gibbons was able to do with his NIL opportunities and stories like that are, are just what it was for. And some we have some athletes who aren't on – everybody goes to football and, and some of the what we call refer to as headcount sports. But we have student athletes, female student athletes on partial scholarships that are using their NIL opportunities to fund the rest of their scholarship. So that's not coming out of pocket. And that's what they're utilizing it for. And, and that's what it was designed to do. And that's what I'm proud to see the character of our student athletes using their NIL opportunities the right way. And I think that's a direct correlation of the culture we have amongst our coaches, much our 20 programs and our department and our university is that's the type of, of character of young men and women that we have associated uh, with our program and university. Excellent. Um, looking at the the football program, John, you want to take it there? Yeah. So, uh, you know, coming off an amazing, sometimes a, a thrilling 10 win season, you know, a lot of coaches got some extensions Norvell, I believe uh, Alex Atkins got, got an extension. Um, how do you believe that Norvell has been able to get things turned around so quickly from 2021? And because of that, do you think that the, maybe the football program is ahead of schedule? Uh, that's a great question and quick answer is no. Uh, when Mike and I sit and, and we, this was three years ago when I first got hired at CEO of the boosters, he and I were in constant conversation about the program and, and what he needs to have success and how do I provide it and what the, the role hadn't changed. And he and I are constant communication, um, daily, uh, several times a day, normally, uh, about what the needs of the program and how he knows my role. Uh, to provide resources and to make sure we're doing things the right way. But with that, I don't have to worry about it because he's going to do that with, with high character. And I'm a, I'm a firm believer, the old book, good to great. <laughs> when, <laughs> when you put in the right processes and believe, and you know, your culture is going to work um, and it's going to take time, but you know, it's going to work. Uh, and the opportunity of people being able to come here and see what he's building. It's very attractive. Uh, and you see the culture, you see the come here and you meet the young men he has associated with his program. Uh, if I'm a parent, he's someone, and that's the way a lot of times having been a division one athlete, my, my wife was a division one athlete and three daughters that were division one athletes. I understand the character of a coach and would you want your child to play for them? And that's very big. And, and that's a lot of ways in my talent, the coaching evaluation. That's one, one check box I do when I let my daughter play for this person. Um, right. and, but you see the culture he's building and you go back and know his history, especially offensively. And I love that he's calling plays now and, uh, and getting Coach Atkins and him, a great team in that respect. And just seeing the culture he's putting in place and the type of young man he's winning he's bringing to the program, winning's going to come. Uh, you just got to stay the course. Uh, and, and nothing's a quick fix. And right. you, you got the right people in place. That's going to win. People don't realize how bad or how down we were. And that's not a knock on the young man associated with the program then. They just weren't to the talent level we have now uh, to compete at this level, to, to compete to the Florida State standard 
and the type of young men we're getting now. And it's it is great to to talk to a Charlie Ward or uh, to have Derek Brooks back and, and talk to him or Warwick comes back and been able to to converse with him privately. And they watch a workout, they watch a program, they don't say much, but they will lean to me and you go, these are the core values we played under. And this is going to win. He cares more about these young men off the field than he does on. And I think that attracts a lot of, a lot of young men. Right. So looking at, at 20, I want to kind of tie a couple of things that we've, we've talked to. So I've talked about so far as, you know, looking at the upcoming 2023 season, you know, season expectations are sky high, right? You got a ton of returners. Thanks. Thanks in part to maybe the battles in uh, NIL and, and, and because of the culture that, that the, you know, these young uh, men want to be a part of, but a lot of that, you know, I feel like Jordan Travis may be the most important player of the team that kind of linchpin. So we were interested, you know, what kinds of things went into launching, you know, Jordan's Heisman campaign side. And what do you, what do you think people need to know that maybe they don't know about Jordan Travis? And that's some of the messaging we're going to be getting out real soon. Um, uh, Working with Jordan, because we want to tell his story. And, but the thing about Jordan, if you know anything about him, you know, he's a pretty quiet young man. Uh, comes from a great family background, and he's a guy that and I tell this all the time. He drives a pickup truck. He has four fishing rods in the back. And if he has 30 minutes, he's going to be casting a line on a pond somewhere. Uh, I mean, he is 100% a team guy, and that's going to be kind of our campaign. It's not going to be about Jordan Travis. It's going to be about what a, one special human being he is off the field, but how much he values the team concept and his teammates. And he knows he wouldn't be getting the limelight. He's always going to push them forward uh, when when you talk to him. Uh, it's never going to be about him. Uh, because he understands without them, it, Jordan Travis wouldn't be Jordan Travis and wouldn't be able to go out and, and do the things he's been able to accomplish. So, you know, he, that's that's kind of going to be the, the campaign in itself is making sure when people know his personality, but it's not going to be about him. It's going to be what a great team he has around him and what, how much that team supports him and everything he's able to accomplish. Yeah. It's funny. We talked to Jamie Robinson and the first word out of his mouth, we asked him about Jordan Travis, the the quarterback, the leader, all the things he was fishing was the first word. I'm sure he's fishing right now. He left practice and probably went, he had a couple minutes daylight left and <laughs> he was going to cast somewhere. Uh, I, I, I want to be respectful of your time. We're about 30 minutes in here. I, I, I guess I'll just put it to you generally, as much as I want to go with the Seminole softball uh, rap podcast that you yeah. can catch between Glenn Rhodes and Brian Peller now. now. Uh, we're only two episodes in, so I can't imagine, you know, like I, my joker. It was a joke. He doesn't really listen. Uh, but but where where do you where else do you find um, interest in, in this athletic department? Where You know, what are the teams, the programs, maybe that people aren't quite looking at maybe they are looking at that that someone really should know what what is it that a fan should look at and go you know what i really need to go check out the softball team the, the baseball team's making strike you know those sorts of things all the above uh you know one program that's going to win a natty real soon is brook niles and, and beach volleyball you know there hasn't been a school outside the west coast win one we've come we've been runners up three times now and she's got a great team dynamic dynamic team this year they're all going to return next year. So she's going to have the same group for the next two years. And we're going to, we, you know, our goal is to be the first non-West Coast school to win that championship. 
that national championship. So they're they're exciting. If you haven't been to a beach volleyball match, it's the most amazing event and fun. Uh, great character kids and girls again that we have. Those student athletes are just wonderful people, and it's, and it's a lot of fun to go to to watch them compete and. So I call it sensory overload. You got five courts. You're trying to figure out points. You're watching all five of who's going to win as they knock down. You know, tennis is doing a great job. They had a great weekend. Um, they're ranked in the top men's tennis. They're ranked in the top 20. Women's tennis is getting there. They're playing better. Um, Chris Poole does an unbelievable job at volleyball. And I can go on and on the indoor if you haven't been to indoor in the fall. I mean, that's the thing. Our, our student, our, we have a group of coaches of high character who are making a difference in these young student athletes lives. And I, I still talk to my coach once every month or two to this day and having people around them. And that's a belief of mine that you have people of high character around them. What Brooke Wyckoff did culturally this year with that program, with the student athletes she surrounded herself with and the culture they had in that program. I can't speak how proud I was of the, the steps that we made there and just going to continue to make in our women's basketball program. So, you know, it's really all of them. Um, you look at our track program, what Coach Raymond does is, is phenomenal. He's been doing it a long time. We had, we had Trey Cunningham last year at the Bowerman Award. I mean, that's the Heisman for track. That thing's hard to win. Yeah. <laughs> and, <laughs> and Trey won it. And what a representative he is of our institution. I can go on and on about what special student athletes – I tell our marketing department all the time, we got 650 unbelievable stories to tell. Pick one because you can shine them on a different one every day. And they're just wonderful young men and women that make me want to continue grinding and work hard for them every day. I think that's a, a perfect note to let you get out here. Uh, you know, athletic director Alfred, I, I really appreciate the time. Uh, it sounds like uh, not, not, I don't know. I'll put words in your mouth. A, a, a champion for the student athletes, uh, for Florida state as a whole, it, it sounds like you're kind of finding ways to support the programs kind of all over the board and especially the student athletes. Yeah. 100%. You know, that is our focus every day. Um, cause I do believe this is the most impressionable time of your life, uh, is when you're in college, you got, you kind of figure things out and, and set, set your philosophies on life kind of this time. So it's our job to surround them and, and be great stewards and role models and help them any way we can. I'm constantly walking around trying to ask them, you know, what can we do better? Because I want to know uh, what they're getting. What's, I'll tell you two great stories real quick before we go. I had a student athlete um, who transferred here from a, a, a very name brand school. Um, she was walking around uh, one day with a smoothie. And I was like, ah, you know, how's the transition? She just got here mid-semester. Uh, for the start of this semester, uh, how's the tr you know transition? What do you need? What is you know what's your favorite smoothie after a workout? Because she is leaving the weight room. She goes, Mister Alford, you don't understand. We didn't have this at my last institution. And I was like, because I've made a huge push on on nutrition for our student athletes, and I'm like, what do you mean you didn't have it? She goes, we didn't have smoothies in our locker room and someone there making them for us in the weight room. And she was football had them, but we were not allowed to touch them, which just blew my mind. 
And she goes, I'm so appreciative of that. And, you know, a post game, they know, they know what I need to my, we have four nutritionists that are in a constant check with our student athletes. They know what I need to recover. They're making it special with the vitamins and everything after, after all my studies that they need um, to rec- for me to recover after a workout. And I go, well, how's the training table? Cause I've made big drastic improvements there. She goes, it's unbelievable. We didn't, the food here and the scientific, the science that y'all are putting towards making sure we have the right food uh, to go out and compete, not only in the classroom, but in the field. And uh, she goes, we just didn't have that attention to us before. And I appreciate it. And, and that, that makes you feel good that you're doing the right things. I had another student athlete transfer from a, another school here in state and just couldn't talk about enough about knowing our administration, having Coach Norvell, knowing him personally, and he doesn't play football. And, and having that, he's like, he didn't, we didn't have other coaches come and watch us or come drop by practice or ADs or associate ADs or other athletes come watch us play. We didn't have that at this previous institution. Everybody was in a silo. And he, he goes, the culture here just makes you smile every day and get to know everybody. And he goes, it wasn't like that at the last institution. Everybody seemed angry all the time. <laughs> it was just interesting. Um, I couldn't imagine that. You know, it's the culture we have here at Florida State. Florida State has so many special people associated with it, not only on campus, the department, the community, the fans, you know, and it's, it's kind of in our DNA. Uh, that welcoming and, and those relationships that we have. So uh, kudos to the whole Seminole community because you really do make a difference with our student athletes and they notice those relationships and special relationships they build, not only when they're on campus, but with our constituents and fans who come as well. What uh, Really well said and really great stories exemplifies what you guys are working on. Uh, Again, thank you so much for making the time. I uh, appreciate giving us this time and, and hanging out with us and going through pretty much every every sport on campus. Uh, tell Coach Norvell we don't bite. He can come by anytime. <laughs> right. I appreciate you guys. Yeah, once again, keep up the great articles. Uh, thank, you, thank you. Y'all, y'all do a great job. I love reading them. Y'all give great insight. Uh, y'all, y'all sometimes I'm like, eh, they 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 connected those dots. Uh, so <laughs> kudos to you guys i appreciate all your support appreciate how y'all cover our student athletes keep telling their stories and go knows thank you sir thank, thank you. you appreciate it take care i don't think we really oversold that interview i don't think we oversold it i think it was fun i think it was a fun interview i mean he, he kind of tackled a lot of interesting things what what i guess stood out to you uh yeah i think his answer about yeah he well that's first things first he gave some fantastic answers uh and i really because you know asking him about his mindset how the athletic department makes decisions right i thought one thing that that jumped out to me right from the beginning was his, his his uh how he approaches you know he talked about he doesn't like really doing neutral side games i think maybe we might see florida state move away from that in the future as he starts to you know schedule more of these games himself uh he clearly loves the home and homes instead because it brings that revenue into tallahassee so i, I got the impression he wasn't a big fan of that uh obviously you know we touched on 
Florida State's uh, national brand and how strong it is and how that affects, you know, both NIL and how they do other things, right? And how they approach, um, you know, they do have some weight behind them, right? So you you talk about conference realignment and Florida State falling behind and, you know, how he, you know, he said too, and doing the game in Ireland with Georgia Tech, you know, he wasn't going to give up a home game and all that kind of stuff. So I thought he made some really, really good points. Um, I, I do also love how well he touched on, um, you know, how much he supports the student athletes, especially across women's sports and all all those kinds of things. He was very quick to make the point that that LSU home and home or non home and home, the neutral site, neutral site game was scheduled before his taking over as athletic director. He was quick on that one. I, I would oh, definitely yeah. expect more home and homes. If he, he made the point, if it was up to him, we'd be playing a lot more games at Doak. And, I, and even talking about the Georgia tech game in Ireland, he made the point, you know, um, I said I wasn't giving up a home game for that. So they went and looked and found an away game and we moved that one, you know, like they were the brand that got the initial pull. We want Florida state to play in Ireland. Sure. We'll do it. Go call one of the teams we're going on the road (laughs) for and find them. I thought that was really interesting. And and a behind the scenes on kind of how that came together. Yeah, absolutely. Cause you know, the way the, the, you know, the things go right. TVs get bigger. The, the quality gets better uh, sitting at home. You know, there's a lot of people do that, especially his point too, about, you know, Florida State has the highest percentage of fans that have to travel, right? You know, the farthest um, than than any other program. So because of that, right, you have to make the experience in the stadium be something that draws people in, right? That makes it worth driving all that time. And so I think him trying to improve Florida State's slate of home games, give you better opponents, better draws, have it there instead of neutral site games, whether it's Jacksonville or New Orleans or Orlando, things like that. Um, I think that's actually probably the, the, you know, a smart move and the right thing to do, especially because, you know, maybe Florida State may be falling behind in TV revenue and things like that. So, um, you know, having those primetime games, the Labor Day, things like that, in things that will draw a bunch. And that was the other thing about the Ireland game also, right? He didn't want it to be against a team or I think a matchup that was already going to be a primetime game. Why not do something like that? That's special with a program, like not to disparage, you know, our friends up North at Georgia tech, but with a program like Georgia tech, it's going to automatically be primetime. Use that for a game that may not normally draw those kinds of eyes um, to really maximize, you know, what, what you're getting out of it. So I, I thought he made some, some really pretty incredible uh, points uh, that shed a lot of light on how he thinks and how he wants to move forward. I was trying to quickly look up while you were finishing your point there, how many times Florida state Georgia tech's game have even been like a night game. I think last year it was a noon kick. If I remember correctly. Um, so yeah, I mean, that's a, that's a great idea to go and take a game. That's not going to be that later. Another thing I thought was super interesting was the conversation around conference realignment. Um, you know, we always talk about it in the idea of they're getting 30 million less dollars, right? They, they will start getting 30 million fewer dollars than these other schools. And I thought it was interesting to hear what that can mean, right? The, the, where they're going to see it, you're going to have a harder time hiring coaches. You're gonna have a harder time upgrading facilities and, getting these athletes uh, the right training equipment, the right nutrition, the right whatever they would need. I think it's a really important thing there. You did notice he uh, he really swells, sidestepped the have you been contacted by other conferences. I mean, look, if I'm going to read between the lines, I mean, maybe it seems like the phone rang, right? I mean, I don't know. But, um, you know, I, 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 I but I think we all expect that. You can't imagine he comes out and says the ACC needs to give me more money and that the SEC wouldn't ring his phone, right? Or the Big Ten would Well, yeah, ring. I mean – and you, I mean, you don't really expect him to answer that question, although you have to ask it, right? Yeah, you have but, to ask. And I understand if someone was like, well, why would you even ask? You knew he wasn't going to answer. Well, because you have you to have ask. To. Maybe he says, yeah, the SEC. I mean, 
to be honest. And right. And, and he's, if he's doing public relations and, and obviously that's what he's doing on the podcast, he's not here for the goodwill of talking to us, but uh, which he may be, you know, great. But uh, you know, I mean, the idea of if he wanted it for leverage, if he felt he really wasn't getting anywhere with the ACC, he could just say, yeah, yeah. The SEC and big 10 both called me and we've, we've been talking with them. I mean, he could say that in theory, if he wanted it for leverage. So yeah, I mean, you might as well ask in case it gives you that kind of answer. My guess is, uh, yes, he's heard from them. Yes, he's used it as leverage, but it appears uh, him and some other ACC schools are making some headway there. And again, that's that's just trying to read between the lines. That's, I don't want to put words in his mouth. That's not what he said. But, um, you know, that that kind of seems to be maybe what, you know, the, the interesting part where he was like, we're, we, along with a few of our other institutions, are leading some progress in making that happen, right? Right. I mean, he definitely kind of confirmed something we already knew, which right, which was that you know, Florida State's communication with other schools and programs in the ACC. I mean, we could have general ideas of who they are. It's probably Clemson, probably North Carolina, maybe maybe in, you know someone else, maybe Miami or something like that. Um, you know, I I especially paid attention to uh, what caught my attention. I guess was, I think how forceful. And I know listening at the podcast, you couldn't see Alfred's Alfred's face, but it really felt to me that that he knew how serious and how, you know, how forceful his answer was about, um, especially the way he pointed out how this affect the $30 million per year compounds, right? One year, okay, you know, it's a shortfall, you know, whatever compared to other people, but it's 30 years the next year. And then the year after that, and the year after that, and 10 years down the road, like, like Brian pointed out in our question was, now you're looking at $300 you know, million dollars. That really adds up. And like you said, across the board, it's it it is almost a life and death situation for Florida State, right? You know you have to do something. And and right now at this particular moment, you know, we didn't press the issue with him, but uh, you know, Florida State's, you know, hands are kind of tied right now. You don't have you know, you're the big fish or what you may be the biggest fish in in the ACC conference, despite Clemson's recent success. And still right now your hands are a little bit tied, but you have to, you know, how he looks forward to the future uh, and you have to be prepared for, for all of these different things. Like, you know, talked about the Island game was in the work for a very long time. Uh, he's got to have these kinds of ideas brewing now, preparing for whenever maybe you do have an opportunity that presents itself where, where maybe you can leave. So um, I thought his answers, especially on the conference realignment, to your point, Brian, were just absolutely fantastic. Um, you know, again, well, I don't want to read between the lines or put anything, any words in his mouth, obviously, but he um, I already did yeah, it, so it's fine. <laughs> well, yeah, a little bit, but you know, he, <laughs> I regret it, but it's, it's fine now. I mean, that, that was, you know, what I was thinking as he said it, I was just like, okay, it sounds like him and some other, but yeah, go ahead. Well, yeah, right. I think what we can't say safely is that, you know, Florida State is obviously coordinating or not coordinating, but talking to other schools, uh, seeing if anyone feels maybe the same way that Florida State feels. And, and that, um, you know, his answer about how Florida State feels was pretty forceful and about how, you know, they have to do something, right? Something has to be done. It is whether it's unequal revenue sharing now or something down the road. Uh, it's just unsustainable the way it is now, right? And again, he talked about, you know, training tables and nutrition for athletes, even again, not revenue sharing sports, but but even, you know, women's volleyball or, you know, soccer, all these other different programs uh, that, you know, Florida State wants to win and win big and support them. Uh, you know, they require the money too, right? So right. Um, it's not just football or, or just basketball. Yeah, and especially for a, an athletic department that is as well-rounded as Florida State is. Um, I, you know, I really liked his answers about student-athletes, the way he he seems to try to champion for them across the board. And, um, you know, just having small conversations with, with athletes across all the sports is just – 
he just seems like he cares, you know. And, and I think if you're if you're looking at the athletic director of your, uh, you know, your favorite school, your favorite team, I think that's kind of what you'd hope to have. So again, I, we really appreciate him taking the time. We appreciate you uh, coming back and listening to the podcast. I know uh, it doesn't feel great to go like six to eight weeks without an episode, but um, you know, like I said, uh, I, basketball season kind of got in the way we were supposed to do it. Women's basketball had the flight and, you know, things kind of got pushed back a little bit, but uh, we wanted to make sure this was a priority and, and made sure we kind of made the time to get here and have this conversation to kind of give you this type of insight. As I, as I mentioned at the end, we're, we would love Mike Norvell. So coach, if you're listening, <laughs> we would love to have you. We don't bite. See, we're very, we're very nice and very, we'll, we'll throw you a softball. We'll throw you softballs. It's fine. Not all softball. I mean, eventually I'm going to say, have you been talking to the ACC? <laughs> no, no, I mean, we're here. We'll take it. But, uh, you know, we are working on other fun interviews and well, hopefully we'll continue to do that all off season. And, um, you know, it feels like we got a fun football season. So we hope to fill up everything between now and then as fun as we can make it until then. Listen to the Seminole softball wrap. That's with Brian Pellerin and Gwen Rhodes. If you didn't need enough uh, pub on that one. <laughs> also, don't forget to visit Tomahawk Nation and click and read on the articles because that's what uh, Michael Alford's doing. So you should do it, too. I think Perry's going to cut that. I don't, I don't think. Yeah, whatever. Yeah. It's fine. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, thanks for listening. We're, uh, we're out. That's a wrap, right?